Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to the show, and I am always so glad that you are joining me today. And this is Cynthia Hyatt. This is called Conversations with Cynthia. And we are in the new year, which is amazing to think that we have all these years that continue to keep going. And here we are again. And, and I really wanted to address this whole idea of new beginnings and not having it be a redo, but actually new. And so this actually, this show is, is applicable, uh, you know, all times during the year because God is so good about always giving us new beginnings. It doesn't have to be, you know, um, July 1st or, or New Year's Day or your birthday. It really can just be Today, the day that you woke up can be the new day and the making of a new year for you. And so today's topic is called Stop Playing It Safe. And I'm, you know, quite encouraged about this show and this, this, uh, this whole topic and what I wrote because it, it really spoke to me as well. And I'm hoping that this is encouraging to you because I really believe that God has a really amazing new way to say some of the things he's been saying all along, but maybe in a way that makes sense to us and encourages us and inspires us. So I'm going to jump right into this because this is um, out of Matthew, the 25th um, chapter, verses 26 through 30. And I picked the Message Bible because after I read this this particular verse in the Message Bible, I thought, this you, you have to hear this because it's so powerful the way he says it. And this verse is talking about the men that have the ten talents and the five talents and the two talents and, and, and how the master responded to what they did with those talents. And so this is what the Message Bible says. It said, the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with bankers where at least I would have gotten a little interest. Take the thousand, give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this quote-unquote play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. I mean, I read that, and it kind of wants to take my breath away because I'm a very adventurous person and a high-risk taker, but I still am kind of a trepidatious person. I mean, I, you know... I kind of, I don't always like to put myself out there, especially if it's new things and, and I can have a tendency to, to think big, but think, oh, I don't know if God would really do that through me. And I don't know if, if, if that's really what I'm supposed to do. And I don't want to try to be bigger than I am. And who do I think I am? And all that kind of thinking. And so I read this verse and it says, this take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most. And get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. And and the, the beginning of this passage, it says the master was furious. He says it's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. 
Now, what we understand is that, that Jesus, that God was not talking about um, living recklessly. And, and I really want to make that differentiation, that we are not to be reckless. We are valuable people. Our lives are valuable. The things that God has for us to do are valuable. So we don't live recklessly. But he doesn't want us to be so cautious and paranoid and with so much trepidation and uncertainty and insecurity. What he's saying is, I want you to go out on a limb. I want you to take a risk. I'd rather you lose it all because you tried than to do nothing. And so this is really, really powerful. It says, you know, taking risks with God, you want to remind yourself you only have one life and you are to live it well. And again, not recklessly with abandon, but with intention and courage and passion. So God is saying, I want you to be willing to make mistakes. I can handle it. I have provision for every mistake you make. He says to you, I am the God of all. I have resources you know not of, and I can create new resources if need be. So God is saying to you, you must take risks. You must make mistakes. And what I tell clients all day in my office is, is I, I remind them that humans only learn by making mistakes. So unfortunately, we have to make mistakes in order to learn. Now, we don't always have to make mistakes. We certainly can learn through wisdom, and that comes through mistakes. And it also comes through seeing others' mistakes. So I want you to recognize that you may feel miserable in the mistake that you made, but you may really be contributing to the kingdom in a way that you would not otherwise understand. And that's that people may be learning from your risk-taking so that they can take healthier risks and encourage them to take risks. So you must do this to be all that you've created to be. You have to push, strain, stretch, and then you rest from striving. See, you have no idea how beautifully and wonderfully God made you. And he wants you to discover who you are with him. And the only way to do that is to, is to stretch, is to risk, is to put yourself out there. I, you know, I, I love the saying, God can't steer a parked car. So I remind myself of that a lot, that God can't steer a parked car. He, even if I'm going in reverse, he can at least steer it. But if I'm doing nothing, nothing, if I'm inert, you know what it takes to get momentum. And, and I, I work with people that have, have had great losses, maybe have lost a job, maybe have um, lost all their money, maybe it was stolen from them, uh, maybe they had a nervous breakdown, they had a large relationship loss, lost a child, whatever, whatever things many times occur to us in our life that, that cause us to have a hard stop. And one of the things I work with them is in a healthy way, continuing as little momentum as we can, we can do without injuring, but making sure that we don't just stop. Because once you stop completely, it's really tough to get going again. And so momentum is really powerful. So I want you to realize that even if the momentum is going in an opposite direction, it is still movement. And it's easier to move things that are moving than to move something that is stuck. So I really want to encourage you to not stop. Even if you don't like the direction, even if you don't understand it, even if you're feeling like a failure, I want you to just keep moving. Because you will have more energy as you move. 
Momentum is a very powerful source of energy. So we go back to this whole idea that humans need to make mistakes as a way to learn. And we've talked so many times on this show about shame and that there are two types of shame. We have toxic shame, which is about people harming me and abusing me and and me wearing other people's bad behaviors. That's toxic shame. Toxic shame says, I am bad. I'm a bad person. I'm yucky. I'm unlovable. I'm, in, I'm not valuable. We don't want that kind of shame. Okay, that, we want to really eradicate that from our lives. And many times when we make mistakes, we fall into this toxic shame category where we feel so embarrassed that we don't want to put ourselves out there again. And we feel stupid. We feel ridiculous. And we don't want to try. And so it's really important that you don't let mistakes, mishaps, whatever it is that happened, cause you to stop. You need to remind yourself that that's all part of learning. That's all part of growing. And if we read the Bible, how thankful are we for those people that made really big mistakes and got up again and tried? And, and I've referred frequently to the, to the one story of the person that made a really big mistake and quit. And that was Judas. And what a tragedy, tragedy that story is. And so we want to learn from his mistake. He quit. He got too embarrassed about his own behavior. He got too overwhelmed by, his, by himself. He shocked himself to the point that he was too embarrassed to ask for any forgiveness. Whereas we have Peter that made a horrible mistake, maybe even worse, because it was far more personal when Peter is denying Jesus than, than Judas selling Jesus. Jesus. Judas at least saw value in Jesus. So you want to remind yourself that Peter was willing to humble himself, move on, and look at what he did for the kingdom of God. Judas, on the other hand, was so egotistical, had such a fragile ego, he could not live with what he did. He could not get over himself. So it's really important that we see mistakes the way God sees mistakes, and they are part of being human, they are part of the learning curve, and he can overcome any mistake. The enemy wants you to have a hard stop because of a mistake and to stop moving, stop trying, stop being, because then he wins. And so it's imperative that you remind yourself that I am not going to fall into toxic shame. I can get over my embarrassment. It's passing. It's temporary. And I can move forward because God is saying the past is the past and he's not remembering it anymore. He's saying, I only want you to remember the past to learn from it, not to live in it. And Judas would not let his mistake be in the past. He lived it to the degree that he took his own life. So it's really important for us that we recognize nothing is so big that God can't get over. He's already gotten over it all. That's what Jesus did. We need to follow God's lead and recognize that we learn from mistakes, and, he, and, and he's already made provision for the mistake. So again, we are learning. In this, in this verse, Matthew 25, verse 28 through 30, he says, Take a thousand and give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this play it safe who won't go out on a limb. And in the earlier part of this message, it says, The master was furious. It's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. So this is what's imperative for us this year. 
And if it's in the middle of the year and you're hearing this, this uh, show, it's imperative that you learn that today you are going to take risks. You are going to let God help you get over whatever mistakes occur and continue to move forward. So if you're just joining in, this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. And we are every Sunday at 4. You can also hear um, all the podcasts. If you come to the website, they will direct you to the podcast of these shows if you don't get to hear it in its entirety. I also have a website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. And I have a Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc. That's I-N-C for Incorporated. So I appreciate it always when you like that page. So make sure you go to that page and visit the website. Join me again in the next segment as we talk about Stop Playing It Safe. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia, and this is Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you for joining me. And if you are just joining, today we are talking about this concept of stop playing it safe. And I was talking to the producer in between this break, and I was saying, can you believe that verse in the Message Bible? And I'm going to read it to you again. It's um, Matthew 25, verse 26 through 30. And I was saying to him, Jeremy, can you believe how powerful it's kind of scary to hear and he goes yeah but it's kind of exciting and it's true because it gives us this energy to say you know what god is being so emphatic about this point of stop playing it safe and so i'm going to read this verse to you again and it says this is verse 26 it says the master was furious that's a terrible way to live it's criminal to live cautiously like that if you knew i was after the best why did you give me less than the least the least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with bankers, where I at least could have gotten a little interest. So take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this quote-unquote play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. I mean, that is how emphatic God is being about this, that he can handle our mistakes. He is wanting us to make mistakes because he knows that humans need to make mistakes in order to learn. So I get it. I, I really do. No one likes to shock themselves. I've shocked myself before. It is the most uncomfortable feeling ever. I don't like shocking myself. I mean, unless it's like super good. But when I shock myself because I've done a bad thing or I've done a stupid blunder or I've said something ridiculous or whatever it is that I was trying did not work, I don't like that feeling. But this is really important. See, those things, those memories that, that give me that sinking feeling of that past mistake and I get that rush of adrenaline or I close my eyes and I sigh and I just go, oh, I hate that memory. See, these are past issues that I really need to look at through the eyes of a very healthy God, a very healthy parent, a healthy advocate, a healthy friend that knows I'm going to do stupid things. Things that I may even feel are unforgivable, that are costly, that are gross, things that are, are, are unbecoming to who God has intended for me to be. So this does not mean that I look at this behavior or incident um, as, as a way to minimize whatever the learning curve it needs to be for. But it does mean that I need to look at this incident objectively with forgiveness. 
that that I'm not taking away the importance of the offense or the mistake, but I'm realizing that many times my behaviors are not always indicative of who I am. And that's very important. I, I want the whole goal of, of, of what God is doing when he says, you know, I, I've begun a good work in you and I'm going to complete it, is that he's wanting who I am, that authentic, created person that God has made to manifest in all of my behaviors. And see, we see that with Jesus. Jesus was authentically who he was, and all of his behaviors reflected who he was. Well, that's not me. I, I, a lot of my behaviors reflect who I am, and then there are some of my behaviors that do not reflect who I am. And those are the ones that God is wanting to correct. And in the midst of that, he is very aware of the mistakes that are going to come from me as I'm learning and trying to do new things and also wanting to be who God has created me to be. So the goal is not something we have attained yet. It's a goal. And this is why that verse in Philippians 1.6 is so important, because it means that I need to resolve the past. I need to let the past die. And I need to not let those memories be alive. They need to be neutral so that they are reference points so that they remind me of where I was and they remind me of who I am or who I'm not. And really important that I remember those because when we look at the whole idea of memory, we understand that people with dementia, Alzheimer's, um, brain that, that have had um, tra- traumatic brain injuries and, and have no memory, they have an impossible time having a relationship with people that love them because we have to remember who we are and who we are not in order to be who God is wanting us to be. So our memories are important, but our memories are really not to beat us up. So we are to remember and to learn. So we never use hindsight for self-abuse. It's only intended to help us to see as, as is related to where we are going. So if, if I'm living here in Phoenix and I'm wanting to go to Los Angeles, and I end up driving opposite, like toward Albuquerque, well, those road markers in, in the rearview mirror are helping me to know where I'm supposed to be or where I'm not supposed to be so that I can redirect my path and get back to where I am intended to be. So we have to remind ourselves that God says there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is a very important statement I'm going to say to you that I want you to really listen Because, you see, Jesus paid the price for your ability to learn and to grow without being in debt. How powerful is that? Because if any of you have ever tried new endeavors, you've uh, wanted to start a new business, or you uh, bought real estate, or um, you bought a pet, or you um, had a child, adopted a child, you recognize that a lot of these endeavors are extremely costly and they can sometimes put us into debt. So how powerful is it that God paid the price through Jesus for my ability to learn and I am not in debt to God? See, he paid the price for all of my sin so that I can freely learn and not have to worry that I'm going to go to hell because I have to pay the debt for all of my mistakes. So this is a really powerful freedom and security that we have, that we are always okay with God. It doesn't mean that everything we do is okay, 
But it means that he understands. He saw into the future all the mistakes that I would make. He knows that they're coming. And he's already made provision, just like he has made provision for the successes that I'm going to have and made a way for those to happen. So it's important as we look at this that we relax and realize that we are going to make mistakes and we need to look at them objectively and recognize this is part of being human and this is a part of my learning curve. So I'm always comforted by the fact that God provided for all of my mistakes and understands that he's made a way out of my mistakes. And so I must evaluate mistakes based on facts like, did it work for me? Do I want to repeat it? Do I want to integrate that behavior into my being? And if not, I use it as a reference point to tell me what not to do in the future. So this is, this is a repetitive issue and a learning process that I'm finding out what's going on with myself because Satan wants me to get so caught up in how egregious the behavior is and I'm, that I feel so condemned and so ashamed that I cannot even do any healthy, healthy problem solving. So we know, and God knows, Sin is not logical. It never is. That's why it's so embarrassing. So we need to remind ourselves that God has made provision for us and that we have a way out, we have a way through, and regardless of whatever the consequences are, he has a way to bring us back to what he has originally created us to be. And so it's imperative that we give our plans, we give our ideas, We give those mistakes, those successes to God, and we ask for the support in being who he has created us to be. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment, and please visit my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, Facebook at Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., that's INC for Incorporated, and we are talking about playing it safe. Well, thank you for joining me again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and I am so glad that you're joining me. Now, I'm always excited about the topics that that we talk about on this show, but I am really excited about this one, and this is Stop Playing It Safe. And so we are talking about playing it safe versus not playing it safe. And what the scriptures tell me is that emphatically, we are not to play it safe. We are to go all out fully, 100%, and really trust God that if we are making a mistake, he has already made provision for it. And that does not mean that we do life recklessly, but it does mean that we don't do it so cautiously. And so we, we have been using this verse in the Message Bible, and it is Matthew 25, verses 26 through 30. And it says again, In verse 26, the master was furious. He says, that's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. And he goes on down into verse 28, and he says, take the thousand and give it to the one who risked the most and get rid of this quote-unquote play it safe who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. What what God is saying is he really has no use for for people that that play it safe doesn't mean he doesn't value us if we play it safe. doesn't mean he doesn't love us. doesn't mean we're not going to heaven. But it means that he can't use us. What is he going to do with people that play it so safe they don't take any risk? He can't. There's no momentum with that. It's kind of like the person that gets the driver's license, sits in the car, and is too afraid to drive it. 
out of the part out of the garage because they they so don't want to get in a car wreck or wreck the car that they won't even drive it. So we talked about earlier, I love this saying, you know, God can't steer a parked car, that he would rather me be going in reverse than me not going anywhere. So he really can handle the mistakes that I make as I learn and the mistakes that I make as I try new things. Because some things that I'm going to try, I might think God is in them and and God may be saying, no, I'm not going in that direction. But I have to be moving in order to know that it's the wrong direction. So as we look at this, I want you to think about this idea of potential and God wanting to unleash the potential that's in us and that we have all this potential, like, like the driver sitting in the parked car, how much potential there is in that, how much potential energy is there, but it has to be unleashed. So I've picked a couple of verses that I hope will be very encouraging when it comes to this whole idea of not playing it safe and taking risks. And God says in Jeremiah 33, 3, this is the expanded Bible, which I, I love this verse. It says, pray, call to me, and I will answer you. I will tell you important secrets, great and hidden things you have never heard or known before. So this is what's important. When I'm moving forward, even if I don't know the way completely, even if I have an idea and I'm not sure if God is in it, I call to God and I give it to him. And he says, I'm going to answer you. And I'm going to tell you important secrets and great and hidden things you've never heard or known before. And so if I'm wanting potential to to be unleashed, if I'm wanting to not play it safe, I may not even know what to do. And so I may need to say to God, I'm willing to not play it safe. So I'm calling to you. I'm going to know that you're going to answer me and you're going to tell me those things to do that I don't even know I'm supposed to do. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, and this is also the expanded Bible, says, but as it is written in Scripture, no one eye has ever seen this, no one ear has ever heard about it, no one human heart has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. I love that verse. And Ephesians 3.20, and this is the Message Bible, says God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. And he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. I'm going to give you one more. This is Jeremiah 29.11-14. through 14. You're very familiar with this, but I'm going to read it out of the Message. It says, I know what I am doing. And I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. And when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I will make sure you won't be disappointed. So we have three very powerful passages four very powerful passages that are encouraging us to move forward, to call on God, to ask God, and to move forward and to trust that he has good things. And in the midst of those good things, our mistakes are going to happen. And he has already made provision for that. And he is already doing things that are beyond our wildest dream, that he's prepared things for us to do. And like I said, he can't get us where we're supposed to be if we are not moving. 
So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. We have one more segment to go as we finish up this Stop Playing It Safe topic. Join me again in the next segment. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia, and I'm Cynthia Hyatt. I'm so glad that you are here today, and we have such a great topic that is really inspiring to me, and it's encouraged me as I've worked on this topic, and it's called Stop Playing It Safe. And before I get started, I want to remind you, you can always find these podcasts um, on my website at CynthiaHyatt.com, and that's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. You can also go to the station uh, on, on the internet, and they will also direct you to the podcast as well if you did not get to listen to this in its entirety. So again, this is a very, very important topic to understand what God is saying when he is saying to stop playing it safe and how emphatic he feels about this. And if you've been listening to the whole show, bear with me, because you're going to hear me say this verse one more time, because this is the hallmark of this entire topic, and that is in Matthew chapter 25, verses 26 through 30. And it's the Message Bible, and it again says to us, the master was furious. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew that I was after the best, why did you do less than the least? The least you could have done would have been to invest the sum with the bankers, where I, I would have at least gotten a little interest. So take the thousand, give it to the one who risked the most, and get rid of this, quote-unquote, play it safe, who won't go out on a limb. Throw him out into utter darkness. This is how emphatic God is about stop playing it safe. I can't do anything with you if you're just stuck, unmoving, unwilling to move because you're afraid to take a risk. And I was talking again to my producer, he's so encouraging to me about this topic and about how, how I was saying that it's important that we don't live cautiously. That does not mean that we live recklessly. And, and many times I will say to clients, you know, you are too valuable to be so reckless with yourself. So we're not talking about recklessness. We are talking about courage to move forward and to take risks, even if the risks don't always make sense to us completely, even if we're afraid, even if we have naysayers, that we really understand that humans have to learn by making mistakes. So we talked about these different verses in the previous segment that were telling us to call on God, to beseech him, to talk to him, to look for him, and that we would find him and that he has wonderful plans for us, plans that we don't even know about, that we can't even imagine. And so how do we start this? How do we do this whole risk-taking thing? So if you are like me, sometimes you can be a little bit fearful. And, and, and even though I love adventure and I'm a high risk taker when it comes to like roller coasters and going new places and trying new things, I'm not always super um, risk taking when it comes to putting myself out there and trying things in front of people. And, and, and I, I want lots of support sometimes. And I want to, I want God to like give me 10,000 signs to tell me, yes, Cynthia, move forward in this area. And sometimes God is saying, you know, I just want you to step out. I just want you to start moving. Because the thing that I have for you is so beyond your comprehension. I couldn't even tell it to you if I tried. So I just need you to move forward. And you will find it with me. 
So what we're going to start with is this idea of, first of all, no fear. So it's very imperative that we are not paralyzed by our own fear and that we recognize that we're not necessarily doing something that is um, dangerous or illegal, that we are doing something that is high-risk taking, and that's important. And sometimes a high-risk, because we know there could be loss or public embarrassment or whatever it is, can feel dangerous to us. But that doesn't make it dangerous. It makes it risky. So we're going to turn our fear into excitement, the same as a roller coaster. A roller coaster is a high-risk endeavor. It doesn't necessarily mean it's dangerous. It's probably it's much more dangerous to get in your car and drive every day than ride on a roller coaster. So we're not talking about healthy fear. We need to have healthy fear. That tells me to, to not walk out into the street without looking both ways. But we're talking about not being fear-based. The God tells us repeatedly, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So we're going to go into this with no fear. We're going to say, you know what? I'm going to stop being so fear-based and worry so much about outcomes. I'm going to really trust God and know the Holy Spirit is in me, and I'm just going to take some healthy risks. And that might mean just calling up that person that you're afraid to call and taking that risk. It may mean just asking that person to be um, engaged or invested or interested in something, an idea that you have. It may be extending yourself and saying, hey, I have this talent, and I'm wondering if, if, um, if, there's, if there's room for it here. So there's all different kinds of ways that we can step out and extend ourselves. It may be taking on a, a new endeavor. It may be um, looking for a new job. It may be calling up that person and asking them out. It may be ending a relationship that needs to be ended. So we really want to, like we said earlier, God cannot steer a parked car. We just want to be moving. So the next one, we have no fear. We're going to engage in discovery. And so explorers would not have made the discoveries that they have if they had let their fear get in the way. And so, you know, I read this story about Christopher Columbus. You know, he's quite the dreamer, very much a visionary. And he could see past what was to what might be more of. And so we know with him, there was a lot of popular opinion and staunch belief that taught that the earth was flat. Christopher Columbus, an explorer of unknown territory, he refused to believe that fearful notion. And so he knew there was more to be discovered than what he could see with human eye. And so he was driven by that faith, by determination, and so he approached the, the kings the, or the authorities in his country and asked permission to sail for those places. And he believed so much in it that he convinced them to invest in him. And so maybe you can't relate to Christopher Columbus because maybe your ideas aren't that big. But you know what? Your dream is. Your dream is seen just as big to God as, as, as Christopher Columbus's endeavor. So what did God do when he made you? What did he create in you? Why did he create you? What are you here for? And you want to see huge accomplishments and dreams for you. And I see huge accomplishments and dreams reawakened every day in my office. And they may not seem huge like on an international world level, but they are really huge to the people that have taken the risk to get healthier, to get better, to address issues. And so even in my office, I see big things happen to the people that are there. So we want to make sure 
that we are engaging in a discovery process. What does God really have for me? And I'm not going to be afraid in stepping out and taking a risk because if I miss it, well, God's just going to redirect me. It's not that serious. So we're going to also use this idea of acceptance without apology. So I'm going to stop apologizing for my strengths and my weaknesses. Rather, I'm going to take responsibility for them. So if I have strengths, I'm going to take responsibility for them, and I'm going to let people enjoy them as much as I enjoy them. And I'm not going to apologize or minimize or diminish them. If I have weaknesses, I'm going to take responsibility for them. And I'm not going to be embarrassed about weak areas of my life because I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I have weaknesses. So I'm going to make sure that I discover the things that I need in order to support my weaknesses. Then I'm going to put responsibility and effort into managing the strengths and weaknesses, the gifts and the talents that I have. And I'm going to recognize that they are God-given. So when we have talents that God has given us, it's ridiculous if we're prideful about those. You know, it's kind of like being proud of your eye color. It's like, what did you do to get it? Nothing, right? So if I'm talented in in, uh, public speaking, well, then it's my responsibility to put effort into it and to do with it what God has, has asked me to do. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to be prideful because I didn't do anything to get it. All I'm responsible to do is put effort into it and be the best that God has called me to be. So I want to manage my strengths and my weaknesses. And anyone that has worked with me knows that one of my weaknesses is time management. I try to fit too many things into too little time, and and I end up being a minute, five minutes late here or there. And I work really hard on that weakness because if I'm not careful, it can cause others to feel that I don't respect them. And that is not at all ever my intention And so that is a weakness that God is constantly working on me with. So I take responsibility for that and I put effort into it. But I am not going to feel ashamed about that weakness. I'm going to actually just be responsible for it. So the next one is we're going to nurture. We're going to nurture that gift, that talent, that dream, that risk that we're going to take. And that might mean educating myself. It might mean um, getting some life coaching It might mean um, endeavoring other people that might have done it well in the past or I've seen that they've had success. I might want to partner with them. So what does it mean to nurture the dream, the goal, the the endeavor, the talent or the gift? Well, it means I I also practice really good self-care, that I take care of the vessel that that dream and talent is put in. And so I make sure that I'm doing the necessary things to cause me to actually be able to continue using the momentum that God is giving me. And so then this last piece here, or the, toward, as, we, as we get toward this whole actualizing, this, this risk-taking and this endeavor, is that there's probably something that has to die. And so I have to ask myself, what needs to die in order for this thing to live? So do I need to die to certain ways of thinking, certain behaviors that I'm doing, Do I need to die to fear so that I can truly live? What needs to die in order for me to actually do the thing that God has called me to do? And then then we're going to also redefine failure. As we are doing risk-taking, when we redefine failure, it simply means that I say to myself, well, a plan didn't work the first time. Now I know it doesn't work. And so now I don't have to do that ever again. 
So I can now move on to what does. So I know what doesn't work, so I can now move on to what does work. So I'm going to really work on redefining failure and not have it be that huge shame spiral of I'm such a loser. Why did I try that? It's public embarrassment. Everyone thinks I'm a dork. I mean, really, people don't think those things. They actually borrow from us the way we think and feel about our failures. And so what we want to do is really redefine what we see as failure as the opportunity for another success, that it means I can take that off the table. I don't have to try that one again because now I know it doesn't work. And so regardless of how public or private it may be, it's important information, and I need to really cause it to be more objective. The enemy wants to make it be subjective. So that means that he wants to make it be about me, that I somehow am a loser, I'm a failure, I should have made it work, I should have seen it coming. So I need to make it objective and say, you know what, this is really good information for me. And so we're going to then really work on this last piece, and I'm going to end this, this entire show with this beautiful prayer of Jabez. And so I, I'm going to recognize that Jesus came to give me abundance. So as we look at the prayer of Jabez, I want you to look at the verse in John 10.10 10 that says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So I want you to ask yourself, what is the enemy trying to kill, steal from me, or destroy? What is stopping me from being me? And so this prayer of Jabez, I like it in, um, it, it says, this is First um, Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10. It says, Jabez was a better man than his brothers, a man of honor. His mother had named him Jabez. Oh, the pain, saying, a painful birth. I bore him in great pain. So Jabez prayed to God, the God of Israel, and said, bless me, oh, bless me. Give me land, large tracts of land, and provide your personal protection so evil doesn't hurt me. And God gave him what he asked. This one in the voice, it says, Let your hand guide me and guard me from harm so I will not experience pain as my mother did. So I want to encourage you that it's okay to ask God to lessen the pain as we take risks. But have a good year, take risks, and don't play it safe. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Check me out on uh, my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. This hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, You can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.